Hello, and welcome to our At Any Rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Markets Strategy Team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Markets Strategy Team. Saad, thanks for joining. Hi, good to be here. We're recording this podcast on the Friday of an extremely busy data week and policy week, which has seen uh, Bank of Japan change its yield curve control approach, some disappointing China PMIs, although that's come after some fiscal stimulus announcements, which have actually led our economists to upgrade growth in China, some mixed US data, US Treasury supply announcements, a slightly dovish FOMC message, and, and then obviously today's uh, monthly US labor market data, which was pretty dovish. So EM markets have generally cheered the overall developments, uh, mostly the move lower in uh, US 10-year yields, uh, which are down around 35 basis points, maybe more as we speak from the highs. Um, and given that move in US rates higher since July has driven much of the weakness, it's obviously helped our markets. Uh, EM high beta currencies are much stronger in the last week, bond yields lower, although not as much as US Treasury yields have moved lower, and sovereign and corporate spreads in EM have jumped tighter as well. Um, the war in the Middle East continues, but has not spilled over so far into a wider regional conflict, uh, despite now uh, having a ground offensive in Gaza. And I think that spillover, as we've talked about, is what global financial markets uh, have been more focused on. So we'll try and discuss these various moving parts uh, in this week's podcast. So Johnny, this week we've become more positive on EM currencies. I think it would be worthwhile to have a quick recap of the journey basically since August when we turned neutral across the board on EM fixed income assets. You know, what's um you know what what drivers have we been focusing on and what's kind of changing now? Yeah, so we became less positive on EM currencies um from what we had been in early August and, as we said, stepped out the way of what we thought would be uh, a move higher in U.S. rates. And, you know, we'd signaled we would reassess when we thought we'd, we'd got to a, uh, a turning point in that move. You know, as far as that started off right, as 10-year U.S. rates hit 5%, we probably missed the opportunity uh, to, to try and be... Um, you know, looking more positive at that point on EM EM risk. And we sort of cited concerns around calling the top and, and geopolitical terrorists, which obviously had been opening up over the last month. Um, but we think now is the environment to, to sort of chase some additional rally uh, here. Um, we have seen some um, retracement already in EMFX as, you know, we sort of... Uh, Published yesterday, EMFX was about 6% weaker since July, although it had rallied uh, already from its worst levels. But we think there's probably some more of that relief that, that can go on. I think it probably goes without saying in this year, which in previous podcasts we've described as the, the four seasons in one day, that this may just be a short-term position. Uh, and it may be one of the reasons why EM currencies are, are sort of um, the part of the asset class that may be best for that. Um, so maybe to turn to you then, Saad, and really let's start with maybe the key macro developments 
Um, a lot has changed in the last week. What are the key macro developments as far as you see it that have changed in the outlook um, and why have they become more supportive for, for EM currencies? So I think it's as much about sentiment and momentum and circuit breakers to momentum than it is necessarily about kind of a pure change in the fundamental macro regime that we've been in. You know, we were mentioning, you know, when we were discussing last week and the week before, and probably the week before that as well, how this relentless increase in U.S. Treasury yields was overshooting, but it was becoming very hard to call the top of that. And at the same time, we had higher oil prices as well after the war broke out in the Middle East, uh, which was another both inflationary concern, but also one that could be a balance of payments risk as well, especially in, in EM Asia. And we've seen some of that momentum both in U.S. Treasuries and in oil, not just fizzle out in the case of oil, but but reverse for U.S. USTs. I think the Fed meeting this week was part of that, and also um, the quarterly uh, refinancing announcement, refunding announcement by by the by the Treasury, also gave a sense to markets that there is some type of you know, policymaker awareness of of the sell-off that we're seeing in treasuries, and maybe there is a bit of nimbleness and adjustment taking place. So that was sufficient to break the momentum in U.S. Treasury yields from already, you know, overshooting types of levels. Uh, if you if you want to give a macro angle to this as well, you know, we have seen some upward revisions in China's growth forecast uh, with kind of better 2024 expectation as well. But I would think that's probably a bit more secondary compared to the first factor about the momentum in treasuries being broken. And that's helping sentiment from levels that are still relatively cheap um, for, for various EM assets. Okay, so that's sort of the global markets, global macro type of, of drivers. What about the, what has changed or some of the drivers within emerging markets themselves? Yeah, I think it's interesting if we just look at the price action itself in EM since, and especially EM currency since through this month of October, it was a very troubled and troubling October. But if someone had a crystal ball and said on the 6th of October that in the following weekend, we're going to have this horrendous attack um, and war breaking out in the Middle East that is going to lead to you know, another rise in oil prices that have been rising since the summer. And we're going to get U.S. Treasury yields hitting 5%. And we're going to have a third quarter print, GDP print in the U.S., which is looking pretty exceptional, very hot. Um, if you had all of those factors together, you'd think that would be a month that would get us, you know, very significant dollar strength and a big risk aversion driven demand for the dollar. As it happened, we barely got any dollar strength really through the month of October. Uh, most EM currencies in total return terms gave, were kind of flat to positive on the month. So there's a lot of resilience there. And I think that resilience is a function of the fact that the starting point was 
one where risk appetite was already quite weak. You know, EM currencies had been selling off through August, through September, and risk appetite was already close to, but didn't quite trigger an oversold signal. Uh, we had positioning that was all also light. I think a lot of the long positions in high carry currencies had been cleaned out uh, since um, over that period as well. Uh, and, um, you know, we also had clearly a big change in the policy response from several emerging market central banks as well, that central banks that were expected to be more aggressive in cutting rates became more cautious. Um, and those that were not expected to hike, start hiked rates, you know, case, case in point being Indonesia. We also had through this period a significant uh, FX reserve drawdowns in Asia. And in the case of Chile, for example, they were buying dollars, but they basically, you know, paused or suspended that program. So this combination of cheap prices to begin with, light positioning, and the policy response, which underscores how EM central banks are still looking to be in a risk management mindset to give carry buffer to their currencies, to not get complacent about these cutting cycles. All of those together, I think, have um, been a real boon for uh, for for EM currencies and helped them weather quite a quite a difficult storm. And now it seems the worst of that at least for the time being, um, may may fade away. Okay, so if we like EM currencies a bit more here, which ones do you think are likely to do better? So in a sense, we haven't really shifted our currency, bottom-up currency allocations. You know, So we're making a more beta-driven call that we like EM currencies. But on a bottom-up basis... The currencies that we liked are still the ones that we think can outperform going forward. So those are those high yielders, high carry currencies, both in nominal and real terms that have got contained external balances. For us, that means Brazil, it means Mexico, uh, it means Hungary as well as a high yielder within the Central Eastern European space. You know, we have a long, we have a long um, bias for Turkey, uh, as well, you know, Poland is another currency where a bit more idiosyncratic rather than about uh, rates per se, you know, post-election um, is a currency that we like. So it's it's still very much in the higher yielding, better fundamentally positioned Latin American and CMEA currencies. Asia is one where, although we did see some policy responses, rate hikes, reserve drawdown, etc., the ability of those currencies to really ap appreciate is quite limited because it never sold off as much because of some of these policy responses. So you don't have as good entry levels. And even the oil prices have stopped rising, they're still you know high enough that there is um, an underlying risk to and a balance of payments there. Uh, and that's why our preference really is for, for those higher yielders in LATAM and CMEA. So Johnny, while we're more positive on EM currencies tactically, uh, what's the reason for remaining on the sidelines in EM rates and credit, for that matter? Aren't they going to benefit as well from this more positive environment? Yeah, so uh, many of the factors that we've talked about uh, on this podcast will likely lead to 
generally more positive sentiment over the next few weeks, you know, more broadly. Um, I think EMFX is firstly easier for some tactical positioning, just given it's the most liquid part of the asset class. And, um, you know, these can be short windows this year uh, is the way that we've seen some of these market moves. They move quickly in short windows and maybe FX is, is more naturally suited for that. In addition, some of those growth features that you have outlined, so upward revisions in China uh, for next year. Um, we've also seen some of the higher frequency growth trackers like JP Morgan's Economic Activity Surprise Indices, our forecast revision index have actually been moving up uh, together uh, for the first time in a while. And that's all feels a bit more growth and FX naturally fits that. And also, one of the features that, that you highlighted, this somewhat cautious pivot from EM central banks uh, in response to external conditions, um, sort of underscores the desire of central banks to maintain some carry buffers. And uh, that's all helpful for EMFX, where we'd been you know, worried about the, the erosion of, of carry. Um, but for EM bonds, you know, it makes the story a little bit uh, less natural uh, in terms of a broad base. Maybe, you know, there's definitely some selective opportunities that we like in EM rates here, uh, but EM central banks seem uh, more cautious for the, the time being. I think for credit, just the entry spread levels are, are, are not as appealing. They didn't really have much of a, an increase um, during this period of rising rates in the same way as we saw uh, you know, a bit more of a drawdown in in that we had seen in EMFX. Um, and that sort of makes sense. I mean, you're sort of somewhere within that that center of the distribution, and we're we're sort of shifting the Fed rates, some of the growth view within that. I think FX is probably more likely to be sensitive to that. I think for credit, uh, you know, you're you didn't see much of a sell-off because of that, and and you know, maybe less of a rally back uh, in the same way. And similar story for actually when we look at EM local bond yields versus treasuries, which we've been highlighting for a while, that that risk premium is not particularly high there. So for all of those reasons, we sort of decided to, to this stage, uh, be more positive on, on FX as a, a starting point. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan, at any rate, Emerging Market Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content. For more information, including important disclosures, 2023 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 3rd of November, 2023.